You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode down in more today. Uh, got a friend on the podcast. I always love interviewing friends because I get to know a lot more about them than I generally usually know. Uh, Thurman Lynch is on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we've played a little bit of golf together. I know you have an Allstate in, uh, insurance agency. I know you're a huge OU fan, particularly on the softball side because you're your daughter, but also... You did some military time as well, and congratulations on being recently uh, accepted onto the board of CHF. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Which I know is a huge, uh, you know, uh, love of yours. It's a big passion to support, and that's how we met, was through Jeremiah playing golf together, um, helping raising some money and awareness for CHF. So I guess we'll start off like we usually start off with this podcast, uh, is right from the beginning. Tell me about you growing up and all that stuff. Oh, man. So, yeah, here here I am in Moore, Oklahoma, but... uh you know, I'm originally from a small town northeast Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. You know where Tulsa is. You go about 50 miles north of there, you run into a town called Dewey, Oklahoma. Um, and uh, grew up there, uh, living out in the country, you know. Uh, went to elementary school, high school, mm-hmm. Dewey. Um, loved to play baseball. Loved to fish. My dad taught me how to play golf. Um and uh, all the way through high school, I was a multi-sport type of guy just because you had to, I felt like. Um, absolutely enjoyed every bit of it um, and still have really good, obviously, relationships from from high school days. But, uh, you know, life life in high school is really fun and we can all talk about it because we don't have a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. It makes, it makes it a lot easier and a lot more fun to think about, but life really, you know, started, uh, you know, I graduated in 2001 and, and right before that, actually my junior year in high school, uh, an army recruiter calls me up and he said, Hey Thurman, what do you think about, uh, joining the army? I said, sounds pretty good. And he was kind of taken back because he thought, well, this is, 
this is not the normal spiel he gets. And he goes, well, uh, let me just ask you a few quick questions. You know, he asked me the easy knockout questions, which was no issue. And uh, he goes, well, what do you think? And I said, well, just tell me when and where I need to sign up at, and we'll, uh, we'll make this thing happen. So uh, next thing you know, I'm down in Oklahoma City, and uh, I'm at the recruit station. I'm swearing in. I'm figuring out what I'm going to do. I joined the military my junior year of high school, which then required me to go to basic training in between my junior and senior year. So I stood out having a great time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did, I did Army basic training for, for nine weeks, took up my whole summer, came back, uh, did my senior year, and uh, I enrolled at the University of Oklahoma. And then instead of, uh, again, instead of having a great time that summer before my freshman year of uh, college, I went to Fort Lee, Virginia, and, and did another nine weeks of training uh, with the military. And then I hustled myself back home to, to make sure I, I got home in time for the start of a for the start of college, um, which was um, a dream come true. Um, one of the first people in the family to get to go, you know, and uh, got in. So uh, not everybody's a great test taker, you know. I'm one of those guys. Uh, I'm a great test taker if you give me plenty of time. But uh, luckily, though, I was, I was strong enough academics through high school that uh, mm -hmm. my GPA I think it was like a three nine something. Shot me up there, and always a way to figure out a way to get into something, right? So, ended up at the uh, University of Oklahoma, and then of course, you know, I had a great freshman year, figuring out the landscape. Had a sweet mate there. His name's Cody Clark. Um, still my best friend to this day. Um, so great relationship. Um, went through that freshman year, just having a great time. Um, and then, uh, you know, September 11th happened. Oh, wow. And, uh, of course, I'm, I am, I'm in the Army, right? I'm in the Army Reserve. And uh, so September 11th happened, and uh, we're thinking, uh-oh, you know, this is, this is, this is going to get crazy. And uh, kind of drug out through that whole year. You know, I didn't go anywhere that year. Um, always on my mind. And then finally on uh, Valentine's Day in uh, 2003, my phone rings. And uh, we just got put on, uh, got put on notice. And so uh, I had a report to my, uh, to my reserve station, which was in Independence, Kansas. And so from the time about February 14th, 2003, mm. all the way to about June of 2004, I was on active duty. And... Uh, so I remember just calling my VA counselor at OU, which, by the way, is, gosh, veterans, veterans going to school need another VA counselor. Just, this lady was absolutely amazing. I pick up the phone and call her, and I said, hey, I've just been activated. Um, I, don't, I don't think I can keep going to school. And she said, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'll take care of everything for you. Just come and get your stuff. And after you get your stuff out of your dorm, you let me know. And then I'll, I'll take care of everything else for you. Amazing. And so she, yeah, absolutely um, made that made that thing simple, right? And um, so sure enough, you know, next thing you know, I'm 20 years old, 21, 21 years old, and uh, I'm driving a truck with 7,000 gallons of fuel in it. <laughs> <laughs> driving down an MSR, which is a main supply route in Iraq, helping fuel things and uh, 
found myself in Balad, Iraq, um, really right at the start of the war. Um, we took over the airfield there. And so, uh, you know, my first week in Iraq was setting up tents, filling sandbags, uh, sleeping on the ground or sleeping on top of our fuel tankers because it was cooler, uh, whatever those things were. And uh, so as a young kid, you know, and I, I'm so happy I was young, you know, because we did some absolutely stupid stuff. Um, we also did some, you know, just stuff that I think we handle a lot better, you know, when we're younger. A lot of, yeah, um, maybe our minds are not as strong or, um, but got to go through that year. An advantage to me, my brother was with me. We were in the same reserve unit. So I don't know where all the Saving Private Ryan stuff comes from, but uh, we slept next to each other. Um, And I was thinking, man, maybe one of us won't have to go. But no, sure enough, we're we're both sitting there. Um, And have a lot, obviously, a lot of good brothers uh, still around here that uh, went to Iraq with us. Um, Good relationships come out of that. And... uh, You know, next thing you know, if that year goes by, um, very hard year, very up and down year, you know, you figure out you're Mm -hmm. spending Christmas, not just in another country, but in a way you've never done it. Thanksgivings, 4th of July, you know, all the holidays uh, that I've always got to enjoy, you know, and we just had to enjoy those a different way. Um, so that was kind of a, for a young Thurman, that was kind of a, a, a deal, you know. Um, but come out of that thing relatively unscathed, you know. Um, it was a good deployment. And, uh, of course, you come home to a party, right? You know, you got friends waiting on you that you haven't seen in a year, 18 months. Um, have a party, having some beverages. Um, and that's, that's really where I met my wife, um, that night. So that was probably like, I don't know, June, 2004. The next thing you know, it's, uh, October of 2004. And I, I proposed to her and, uh, I really, I really kind of messed that deal up because she was a college softball player and, uh, she was, uh, went to NEO for two years and then the coach at uh, Rollins College in Florida recruited her. She finished out her high school or her college there. So here I am in Florida, got a diamond ring in my pocket, right? And I'm thinking, we're going to go to the beach. Mike, I've got it all lined up, right? You got this, you got this dream lined up. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I've got, a, I got an expensive ring in my pocket. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how long I can keep it in here. Bro, we didn't even make it to the car. I, I did it in the apartment. Out of all the places in Florida to do this at, right? I do it in the apartment. We still go to the beach. We still have a good time. We still go to dinner. Yeah. But uh, if, I, if I had a redo, I feel like that's a good redo I could get. Yeah. But uh, I think I hit a home run on the ring. You know, I think it was all there. But uh, I had just kind of knew what I wanted. You know, she knew, she knew obviously as well, been married 17 years. Um, so that's been really, really great. But uh, it's uh, 
one of the better things, obviously, that happened. Um, and so the, the neat thing there is, is, of course, I came back from Iraq, and I'm like, it's time to go back to school. Just pick up where you left off at, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm 22. I don't know any better. Um, I re-enroll, call up my VA counselor, and I kid you not, I didn't have to do anything other than that. Yeah. She re-enrolled me. I came right back to school. Um, and uh, she was sure to tell all the professors where I've been, what I've been doing. Um, and so I, I did my first semester. Well, I was about a yeah, 3.3 student. It wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. 3.3 went down to like a 2.3 real quick. Real quick. Uh, and I'm thinking, that's okay. I'm, I'm going to retake this class, which I did. And I, uh, I struggle through a semester. I go into the next semester, and it gets about two and a half months into that uh, spring semester. And uh, I get a call from the dean's office. And they said, uh, hey, Thurman, you got an appointment with the dean today. No, I haven't made an appointment with the dean today. Um, no, I know you haven't made it, but we have time slot for you, and we know you're here. Um, come by and see us after your class. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. So I walk into the dean's office not knowing at all what's getting ready to come my way. And her name's Dean Carney. Um, great lady. So I sit down at the dean's office. Dean Carney looks at me, and she goes, Thurman, we're, we see what you got going on here. And uh, you're before GPA, and you're now GPA aren't lining up, and we feel like you have some issues. So I'm like, well, <laughs> that's the first I've heard about him, you know, right? What kind of kind of issues we got going on? She goes, well, your your VA counselor here, she has your attendance. We see that you're not missing class. We see that you're you're here, um, front row. You're getting help, but you're not making the grades that you should make. I mean, we we know the grades you should make. You, you've been here long enough. Um, so she, I mean, she looked me dead in the eye and said, uh, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. You got a free pass on everything, but you're wasting a spot. You're wasting money. Uh, you need to go get, you need to go get help. And that's kind of the first time with PTSD, um, that I realized, well, dang, I, I guess I got a problem. Not, not only that, as I, all that's hitting me all at once. I'm like, well, hold on. I just asked my wife to marry me. Right. This is like March. We're getting married in August. What? I know I got to call her. It was on her last semester in Florida to go, hey, I, I, I just got asked very nicely to leave the University of Oklahoma. Um, Dean Carney was nice enough to refund every bit of my money for that semester. They took great care of me. Um, phenomenally took great care of me. And at that time, I, I did have some struggles. I was almost an alcoholic. Um, I slept with a gun underneath my pillow every night. I slept on the couch. Um, I did things that I can't believe I, I, I did, you know, just because I didn't know how to be comfortable. Um, I didn't know how to be safe. Uh, and obviously, you know, alcohol tries to help 
kill that. Plus, I'm in college, so there's alcohol everywhere, right? It's not like the college kid might drink alcohol, but it's everywhere. So it was a nightly thing. Um, still didn't stop me from getting up to do my job because at that point I'm a soldier and I have a mission and I have a task. I can check those boxes. Um, and honestly, I would have checked them enough to get by, but that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And she knew that. Um, so at that point, I had my first meltdown, right? I mean, right in her office. I'm talking, we have, we have big tears. We have, we have lots of things going on. And then I had to call my wife and say, hey, uh, I, can't, I can't do this. Um, do you still want to marry me? <laughs> Does this still look like a good idea? And of course she said yes. Um, so we, you know, got married August, oh shoot, 2005. Not, not anything uh, special with some friends, some rowdy friends. I don't know how we had like 300 people show up at our little wedding reception in a small town called Oshaleta, Oklahoma, uh, which is just by Bartlesville and such, but uh, it was it was a fun wedding. We had a great time. Um, then after that, you know, you got a kid that had big dreams of being a, a petroleum geologist or a energy management guy. Um, obviously, business was something that I, I wanted to to get in and pursue at the university, but. The brakes got put on, mm-hmm. you know, pretty hard. Um, struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, figuring out how to navigate life, um, coming to the realization that uh, I do need a counselor. I do need a therapist. Um, I do need maybe some medication to get me by. Um, and uh, so enrolled in the VA healthcare. It's, yes, I know it's government healthcare, but um, it's hard to struggle with mental health. Um, and, you know, I know we talk about it way more now than we did. And even if I go back to 2006, 2005, when I uh, was probably on my worst struggle. Um, and, and when I tell this story, I tell a lot of people, I don't, I don't think this is normal either, Mike, but I, I can tell without a shadow of a doubt there's three people I can owe my life to, to why you and I can sit here and talk on this podcast. Um, that started with Dean Carney at the University of Oklahoma, like somehow God put someone in charge of me to look over what I had going on and say, hey, you need to help this kid. And... Uh, and then obviously my wife, you know, she could have left at any time because uh, I didn't have a lot going for me at that point in time. It was like I had the bright future and then my ball burned out real fast. Um, and, and then the, the first therapist I ever saw, her name was Dr. Ranger. And uh, shoot, I don't know if Dr. Ranger, I've been a very long time since I talked to her, but um I made a no exceptions to go see her twice a week for I don't even know how long. Um, up until the time, uh, you know, my wife walks in with one of those little test strips, you know, and says, uh, hey, we're pregnant, um, which was exciting. You know, you get all those emotions. And uh, 
but I had to make, I made a decision real quick. It was, I was in like in February. And uh, at that point, I'm still taking whatever Dr. Ranger wants me to take every day. But I also sit here battling this thing in my head, like, do I have to take these all the time? You know, can we, you got to graduate, right? You got to graduate. So I walked into her office and said, hey, uh, one, we're having a baby. Nothing's wrong with me. We're good. But I, I want to stop taking medication. I want to start doing more for myself. And I, I want to try to graduate. You know, I don't want to see you anymore. Um, and that was the day that, uh, that was the day that I walked out of that, uh, that was in Tulsa at a VA clinic. Mm -hmm. And uh, wanted to make sure when, when my daughter was born that uh, I didn't have, I didn't, ha I didn't want her growing up seeing dad taken, even though it's nothing wrong with it. Um, to me, though, I didn't want to see her doing all that, and it's kind of a, it was a kind of a launch that uh, that I needed yeah. to get to kind of get that going to see can I do this on my own for a little bit? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes, you can do that on your own. Um, I further learned out in life is that hey, checks and balances are good too, right? Check in with me, come back and see me, do that because uh, once we become confident, we kind of kind of forget the things that got us to some places. Mm -hmm. So, uh, man, so next thing you know, what does any uh, non-college kid in Oklahoma do? I feel like you, you, you join oil and gas field because you're, I got a wife. She's going to school, by the way, to be a nurse. I got a kid on the way. She wants to have a nice house. I get it. I do too. And so I have to make that thing that we're all here chasing is money. And I decided to go be a roughneck, you know, on a drilling rig. Um, hard work, no problem. Got the, I can, again, I can check that box. But it's not a fun life to live. Away from your family seven to ten days at a time. Working the worst 12-hour shift. It doesn't matter if your daylights or your nighttime. You're never clean. And the one thing that I can't stand from being in Iraq is being dirty. Okay, I was dirty for a year. Sand, my wife loves going to the beach. I absolutely love the water. It is amazing. But the sand, it, it almost sets me back. Um, <laughs> it gets everywhere. You can't ever get it all out of your shoes. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, oil and gas, raising a family getting after it and uh, good things happen there though um, one roughneck job turned into a well site geology job um, well site geology for 14 almost 15 years I think um, that company had like 10 people in it when I started here out of Norman uh, called Midcontinent Well Logging still a great place and uh, next thing you know we got like 150 employees and I got 36 mobile units or more throughout the state of Oklahoma and some other states. And uh, what these guys do is these rigs are drilling for oil and gas. We analyze the rock cuttings of the formation they're drilling. We record the gas readings coming out of the well bore. All that cool stuff. That is cool if you, if you like that stuff. Um, love that. Um, got in on that so early, went up through the ranks. Um, next thing you know, I'm in charge of sales and operations and coming up with new things. 
very comfortable in my job. In fact, so comfortable in the way that I thought, there's no way, no matter what the price of oil and gas is, there's no way I'm losing my job. Uh, 2016 proved that theory all wrong, right? I walk in the door and uh, that was my last day to walk in the door in March. And by this time, I don't just have one kid, I got two. You know, uh, my daughter's Ashton, she's 14. My son, Garrig, was born in uh, 2012. Um, and that, yeah, that's named him after Garrig, uh, Lou Garrig. Um, big baseball player, so the name Thurman, people are like, oh my gosh, that's a great name. Where did you get it at? Well, my dad named me after a Yankee baseball player. And so my daughter... Not my, Thurman Thomas. Yeah, not Thurman here. Thomas, no. I would make a lot more friends up in Stillwater if that were the case. <laughs> and, of course, everybody called me that growing up, too, right? But uh, they don't know who Thurman Munson is. Uh, but uh, And then, of course, my, my wife wouldn't let me name my daughter Mickey or any of these Yankees that I had to, like, hey, I got to do this, right? And so, but Garrig was born, and we knew right away he was going to be Garrig. I wanted Garrig Lou. She wouldn't give that to me. Um, so, but I was happy we got Garrig. And now he's got to, you know, he's got to grow up just like his dad. When people ask him, hey, what's your name? And he says, Garrick. And they go, Gary? You know, Garrick. And he goes, Garrett? And he, so now he just goes with whatever anybody calls him. Goes said, by G. Yeah, or we call him G all the time. That's what everybody calls him. Um, whereas I have to tell people, what's your name? Thurman. Okay, can you spell that for me? Yes, I can. Uh, you know, every, which is fine. Um, so I gave him a little bit of that curse. But so, yeah, super scary. Um, walk in anything that I've ever known. Mind you, I still don't have that degree. Um, because life goes. You know, life goes. Uh, there's like 70 college credit hours there, supposedly in good standing. Um, life goes. Uh, by this time, my wife's a nurse practitioner, so at least I got that going for me. It's the the she's graduated all that she needed to do, um, and uh, she's out, you know, serving hospitals, serving people, doing her thing, and uh, we're uh, trying to figure out what the next step is. And uh, all of a sudden, like one day, an application shows up or a job thing shows up in my email and I hadn't re applied for a job in five years because it was easy for me to just with the relationships I had to get another oil and gas job even though I knew that's not what I wanted but it filled the bucket for now you know and uh knew I needed something and after working for somebody for you know what 14 15 years then they tell you you gotta go um it hurt you know what I mean it hurt and I as a business owner, especially now, I totally get that. You know, it was the right move. It was the move they needed to make. Um, at that time, I didn't get that. You know, I, I, was, I was mad, right, uh, as we all get when we get things taken away from us. <laughs> but uh, so all of a sudden, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm at this big job interview place where it's like, hey, come and see what we got. I don't even know what I'm showing up to, Mike. That's how vague this thing is. But something in there drew me in. And the next thing you know, I'm in this health insurance office and they're talking about saving people money, health insurance. And at that time, that's when uh, 
the government healthcare rolled out, you know, healthcare.gov. And in Oklahoma, that was great one year, but that second year, I think everybody's premiums went up like $1,000, and this whole state was in a meltdown. And so this was an underwritten coverage, and you could save people those money if they qualified. And if, 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 and if, and this is how all this works, I realized two things at that point. I like helping people. I'll give this a go. The other thing I realized is I hate health insurance. I absolutely despise it. Um, I can't help as people as much as I want because they're inevitably going to have a claim on their underwritten health insurance coverage and they're going to call me and ask me why. Why is this not this way? Why? Um, I don't know if anybody's ever seen their health insurance policy jacket, so to speak, as we have in the, the regular PNC insurance world. Okay, mine's like 20 pages. I can, I, can, I can tell you all that. Over there, I can't. And it makes me feel helpless. And especially if they're helpless, right? They're wanting answers, and I can't give that. So I really quickly, within about six months, decided that's not what I like doing. Um, I still like being able to help the folks financially if they understood everything and they were, they were in the right spot. Um, writing the insurance and doing the business Easy part, um, but realize, man, that's not my jam. Uh, but thinking, hey, somehow I understand insurance pretty dang good. I bet I could be a good property and casualty. How do I, you know, and I'm driving, you, you see them everywhere, especially, you know, farmers, if I feel like they're on every corner, you know, State Farm, Allstate. Um, so how do I get my name on one of those doors? You know, those folks got to do good, right? It can't be that hard. Um, so I start asking around and I interview with farmers. I interview with State Farm and uh, my daughter is a huge softball player at this point in time. And she's probably 10, 11. And uh, one of the moms on the softball team she's playing for picks up the phone and calls me and says, no friend of mine is going to go work for farmers or stay farm. You need to talk to this guy about Allstate because she worked for an Allstate agent. Okay, perfect. So, uh, shoot, that's, uh, you know, it'll be five years ago this June, 2018, when we uh, opened up. But uh, so here it is probably 2017 when I talked to an Allstate recruiter and uh, I like what I see. Um, and I start going through that process. And Mike, I don't know in life, especially after losing a job and stuff, uh, if you ever wrote down your assets and liabilities on a sheet of paper, then you got to turn that in uh, to somebody who's going to try to get you an SBA loan or something so you can uh, so you can go into business, you know, for yourself, because all these things require capital. I remember writing that down on a piece of paper, looking over at my wife and going, well, this was a good effort, you know, <laughs> at least we... At least we tried it, you know. I don't think anybody, I don't know what all these numbers necessarily mean, but I don't think anybody's gonna give us any money over this. Uh, and uh, so I sent it in and sure enough, you know, these guys call me back three, four days later and say, hey, this isn't gonna be a problem. We're gonna make this happen. And I'm now I'm like, oh, dang. I gotta get serious about this then, you know? Okay, so we, we passed the, the litmus test, I guess. And, uh, you know, I just remember looking over at my wife like, okay, this is $120,000. Uh, 
like, that's a lot of money. What happens? She's like, what happens if this doesn't work out? And I'm like, well, so I'm glad somebody asked the question, right? Well, I said, uh, I guess what, all we got to do is make the mortgage payment, right? I mean, you work, make the mortgage, enough to bring some food. I said, I think I can go work anywhere. I think I can do anything to, to make that happen. Um, if that's all we got, that's what failure looks like. Um, and for me, I've learned along the way that if I learn what failure looks like before I, before I jump in and I know I'm comfortable with that, I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. Um, cause I have an idea of what, what's the worst that can happen here. Um, and that was one of those moments where I thought, well, the worst thing that can happen here is Yes, I owe the government $120,000, but I mean, shoot, who cares? They can't take the house. You know, they, they're not going to stop our kids from doing whatever they want to do. Um, we, can, we can figure this out. So here I go, marching in uh, to the Allstate training. Um, and just so happens at that same time, we decided, you know what else we need to do? We need to foster kids. Um which was the purpose of, we lived in this, you know, I, I lived in Claremore for some time while my wife was going to school. Um, then we, we uh, oil and gas brought me back to Oklahoma City where we had bought a little bitty house in Moore when we first got married. It's like 850 square feet, three bedroom, one bath. And this was in 2012. Okay, I know house selling is great right now. Not as good as it was six months ago or a year ago. But if you were out in 2012, your day on market was like 180, you know. And I was trying to sell a uh, house on five acres. That would have sold in half a day uh, six months ago for $250,000, which would have sold for probably 600, you know. Same house. Um, we couldn't get this thing sold. So... That property we bought in Moore, we had been renting it. So I said, hey, we're going to live at this property. I'll remodel it for you because it's not in the greatest part of the world. When you buy your first house, you just buy what you can get. Um, not in the greatest prop area. And I said, we won't live here but for six months. We'll get this house sold. Six months turned into like three and a half, four years. And she's ready to, she's ready to get out of this house. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we move into a bigger house. But also think of, you know, we know we're not going to grow our family, but can we help other families? So, you know, like a five-bedroom house, and that was to foster kids. And so uh, we foster some kids. And, of course, the first set of fosters that come our way, um, my wife's Cherokee Indian. So we, 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 we are, uh, I guess we're on the, on the tribal side of fostering kids. We've got that advantage. Uh, we can do both DHS or IHS. Is a set of brothers and sisters. There's three of them. So most people are like, hey, just take the one kid, right? But once you see three kids, one of them's like a year and a half old. The other one's like seven years old, six years old, and the other one's nine. And you see their faces, you can't say, you can't say no to them. Um, so in the middle of me being gone for like, Three weeks at a time and 10 days at a time and uh, my wife is being superwoman and taking our kids to school you know doing 
making sure our kids don't lose anything that they had already been getting, right? Practices, all that. Oh, by the way, taking the foster kids to their school, to their appointments, um, because they come with some appointments, I'll tell you that. But uh, And then meeting all the qualifications for DHS and IHS um, and doing all that while I was gone, which was just unreal, unreal. And I remember... Uh, I was in one of my final classes at, with Allstate, and uh, I think I can say this now. The guy told me never to tell anybody then. Um, I had to be in Chicago for like 13 days. And it's down towards the end, and it was, it's an important school to go to at that point in time. And uh, there's like two or three days left. And uh, there's this big banquet downstairs. They got this nice ice carving in this hotel, the works. And I'm in the corner. I'm ready to be home. I'm crying. Because I know my wife's... One, she's working unbelievably hard, but she's got to be, like, to the top of her. Like, somebody come help me, right? Um, I'm crossing the line of being a bad husband. You know what I mean? A bad partner, real quick. And uh, this guy with Allstate, amazing guy, he sees me and he pulls me aside and he goes, what's going on? I said, man, my wife's at home with these foster kids. And uh, he goes, Thurman, don't you tell a soul, but I'll put you on a flight home right now. Right now, you just, you just let me know. I said, well, let me call my wife. I don't want you to give me special treatment if I don't have to. Let me call my wife. So I call my wife. She calms me down. Um, and just get, I get homesick pretty doggone easy when I'm away from, from, from the folks I love, especially after being home from Iraq. But, uh, so she calls me down. She's like, listen, at this point, a day is not going to make a difference. You're good. Finish your school. Um, do all that. So I go back and tell this guy, uh, man, I appreciate your act of kindness. I really, really do. But we stay and ride that out. And it was, you know, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I made more connections, you know, helps business. Um, and those are the little things that it seems like people remember you the most about, right? Um, you could be as successful as I want to be in Allstate, right, in business, but that guy's not going to remember me for that. He's going to remember me for, for that conversation. Yeah. Um, so June 2018 comes. You know, we, we get through that. Yes, we're still fostering kids. We're opening up a new business. Um, and uh, this thing, Allstate... Thurman Lynch Allstate is born, you know. We hit the ground running, um, and I mean running. All I knew was to do what my sales leader told me to do, and I trusted that guy with every bit of fiber in my body to go, okay, you have a game plan. I'm going to follow your game plan, you know, because, one, I don't know property and casualty insurance. I know I think I can sell it. I understand the demand. I understand all the analyticus and, and picked out this amazing location here in Moore, Oklahoma. But, uh, God, how do you market it? How do you do all that? So I, I, I just trusted this guy that I've only known. And, of course, he's, he's just recruiting me, right? He, just, he wants me. He's got to meet, meet a sales goal of recruiting so many people. Uh, but I jump in, and my $120,000 shrinks to like 
$6,000, Mike. I'm talking, that was June when I opened in August. My $120,000, okay, I'm the richest guy I know with $120,000. is down to like $8,000. I remember looking at my bank account, calling him, I'm like, hey, when, when do we really start getting paid? Right, the numbers got to stay, just be patient. That's going to, first check comes in. Um, and I mean, it's like $80,000. So here we go. Boom, refills my account. Does that mean insurance companies or insurance agents make $80,000 a month? No. That means if I'm on a new agent contract, they bonus you really heavy up front because I started this thing with zero policies. Meaning I had nobody renewing a policy in the first month, right? So we have to build up some income somehow and they have to, Allstate has to invest heavy in you. But at the same time, I have to invest that money right back into what I got or else we don't get anywhere, right? And put 80 grand in my pocket, call it good and walk away. Or, you know, so we have to do this thing. So I was on a new agent contract for about three and a half years. And actually 2000, shoot, it's 23 now. So 2022 is my first full year. Well, it ended actually at the start. So it's my first year off a new agency contract. Um, so we finished up writing up, you know, through those uh, three and a half years, right at 2.3, million, $2.4 million in total premium uh, here at Allstate. Um, finished this year, I think we're going to finish close to $3.4 million on a total book size. Um, and it kind of blows me away. You know, I'm, I'm, I obviously have my sights set pretty high, um, and I see these guys with $6 million, $7 million, $8 million books. And uh, I was talking to this big Allstate agent out in Utah, and uh, he's just really smart. I like some of his processes. And uh, he said, Thurman, have you thought about, you know, have you thought about what you've done? And I said, well, what do you mean? You know, you have two offices, and you're worth about $20 million in premium, you know, between those two offices that are like three hours away. This guy's like a machine, you know? And he said, there are agents that have offices for 30 years that don't do what you just did in three years. You got you to gotta think about that, you know, and it kind of just set me back, um, blew me away. But, um, uh, you know, running this thing has been a complete blessing. Um, I love running. I wanted my name on a door of something because I love running a team. And I uh, got the same guys the day I've opened my doors in here. So every time somebody calls in, they get a familiar voice. Um, they like it. Um, I treat them well. Um, you'll probably appreciate this, or the folks back home will appreciate this. I don't track hours. I don't track sick time. I don't track days off. I don't track vacation. Yes, I have a handbook that has all that laid out. I don't care if they're under. I don't care if they're over. I just care that they're happy. Um, I had one young lady had a, had a baby, three months paid off. Um, and then so all the agents around here want to go, well, how do you keep your employees? How do they do so well? And I was like, you're not going to like my answer to that. Right? It's going to cost you money. It's you may gonna think it's going to cost you money. Yes, I know, and it does cost me money, sure. but how much, I'm not Rockefeller, right? How much money is enough? Just a little bit more than what I got. That's, that's not me. I just need to be comfortable. That's how much money you need, right? Um, that's the type of life I want to live. How can I, I can't, and, and one, I, you can't even start to give back to the community if you can't give back to the people that work for you. That's like the 
biggest thing. And, and, it, and it's also heartbreaking, right? If boss is over here cutting $10,000 checks to whatever groups, it's one thing if it's advertising. It's another thing, Mike, if it's like CHF. That's it's not really advertising, right? Yes, they're going to put my name on some stuff, but I don't have a bucket of clients from that. That's that's because that's a different meaning for me, right? Or or the K Club with 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 Keaton Barone or Luke Barone and his wife. It's different meaning. These guys see that, right? And so if I can't start my giving with them, it's really hard, really really hard to give elsewhere. So um, I, I make that a, I make that a point, and I think that's my favorite thing in all this is. Not what I get from it, um, what they get from it. And then me getting to talk to people like you and say, gosh, I think my insurance producers are going to make $80,000 this year selling insurance. Picking on the phone, answering phone calls. They're not in the fields working. We're 8 to 5. And there's a reason I did 8 to 5, you know, because I got kids. And that's selfish. But guess what? They have kids. So I want to make it easy. Um, I don't work Saturdays. Um, do people write a lot of businesses on Saturdays? Absolutely they do. Um, but happy employees make for what? I mean, good business, good service, good, good all those things. So, you know, that's a shoot. That's a little bit of look. <laughs> a little bit of look into my journey. I know there's... There's a, there's a lot more things that I'd love to sit here, you know, yeah, and visit with uh, that uh, we could do this for a long time. But yeah, uh, definitely. Tell me, what 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 have I missed, man? What Dude, have I missed for you? I mean, I think there's one other guest, maybe two that I've had in 490 something episodes that have just ran with it like you have and laid it out like you have. It's a gift. So thank you for making my job really, really easy because I've just got to sit here for 45 minutes and enjoy you talk about your entire process and story. And, and it makes a lot of sense where your success comes from when you lay it out like that. I want to go back, though. Why? What was the decision to join the military? My dad was a Vietnam veteran. Okay. My grandfather, World War II veteran. Okay. In the South Pacific. So, and then my brother, a year before, had joined. Yeah. So... Honestly, it was no thought. It was literally no thought. Um, hey, does everyone join the military? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. And, and, and I went with it. And, and I chose a reserve for a reason because I want to go to college. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't the guy that wanted to do it just to get college paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, that was not the intent. That was a benefit. For sure, that was a benefit. But that's not why I did it. Um, I did it just because every fiber of my being wanted me to do it. Yeah. Um, which was great. Yeah. You know, um, as far as helping me, well, that's a roller coaster too, in a way, because you come back and you think you're invincible. Sure. You know more than everybody. By the way, I'm 22, so I automatically know more than a lot of people. And you learn a lot of things the hard way, right? Then go into your 30s and you're eating a lot of humble pie and you're realizing, hey, all that training I had when I was 22. That was a really good leadership training. And then you start realizing, how can I put that to use 
in my life right now. And I think that's really when unlocking some things, you know, like I said, failure, because what was failure in the military, right? I mean, they're going to tell you the, the, the world's worst thing. Um, that's someone dying, you know, and, and, and all of these things. When that's not necessarily failure in the real world. So I don't have to be that intense. Um, but I can run through that thought process. I can be more of the the calm guy, which some of my friends are going to listen to this and go, yeah, right, man. Yeah, right. Um, because they've known me for a long time. Um, they've seen me do things that go like, I can't even believe that guy has you on a podcast, you know? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, there's been some struggles, but no, that was my, that yeah, was my, yeah. that was my military reason. And uh, after just 10 years of it and having a family, um, struggling with the post-traumatic stress, it was just best to go, hey, I want to be done with this. Right. Why OU over OSU over any other college? You know, um, the reason why probably most Oklahoma kids are OU. Um, that's my family. Um, my, I can remember my, my, my grandmother um, sitting on the porch. Okay, she's fighting cancer, lung cancer, and smoking cigarettes because we didn't know any better back in 93. Okay. And with her OU shirt on. That lady didn't miss a single game. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Um, we watched OU sports growing up every chance we could get. I don't know. That was just that was just them. And so when I set my sights out, I did tour a couple of colleges. Um, but there's only one Oklahoma school that I, that I that I toured. And unfortunately, even after I toured at like Colorado School of the Mines. Um, because I apparently I did good on something. Like I said, GPA was, was really nice. And, and I thought about, hey, let me go out of state. But uh, I picked OU. Um, and OU had meteorology, mm-hmm. which was when I left high school, Mike, I was going to be a meteorologist. No way. I was going to be a meteorologist. I remember actually Mr. Rodeball, my chemistry teacher, my chem one, my chem two, my physics teacher. Yeah. He wrote a deal down and said, Lynch, I want to see you on TV. Can you do it in six years? Yeah. Um, sorry, Mr. Rodeball, that didn't happen. But, um, and I'll tell you why. That was the military side of me. Even though at that time I hadn't been to Iraq, but I'd sure. been to basic training. I'd been to this. And I was better than some things. Mm-hmm. So I can remember my second whole day of college, sitting down in the meteorology room. And this professor telling me everything I was going to do with my time and how we were going to do this. And, of course, it's the class to say who wants to stay, who wants to go. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit around with all the nerds at that time, right? No, I'm out. I walked right into my counselor and said, we're changing this major. She goes, it's been two days. Yeah. Listen, this is what I want to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, brilliant. But yeah, it makes sense then, obviously, the OU thing. And I'm sure family's super proud that you went, you know, you got accepted, went to OU, and, like, that was a huge a- moment. Absolutely. I still remember that day. Yeah. Um, my mom actually brought up my acceptance. Um, I, was, I, was, I, I was on the yearbook in high school, and she brought it in. She, that's, the, that's the relax hour, right? So she knew we could go right on in there and give me a hug and uh, just absolutely, absolutely enjoying it. Yeah. Absolutely enjoying it. Tell, tell me about when, when obviously, like, 
you're in college and, and you know, you, you September 11 happens. Because I, so I remember that day being in the UK because we woke, it, we're six hours ahead, right? So it was the afternoon for us. We were just going yep. home from school. Uh, you know, I remember seeing it on the news and stuff. But obviously, like, you're, you're, you know, you're in, a, in the reserves at this point. Like, you are, like, you know, you're waiting for a phone call, like you said. Like, what was that experience? Oh, God. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was scary. Yeah. I mean, it was scary. But you had so many mixed emotions of, like, uh, you know, you're thinking, somebody, somebody messed up, right? This is, this is not going to end the way that, that, that whoever did this thinks this is going to end. Um, and then at the same time, it's the University of Oklahoma. It's Norman, okay? This is, a, this is not your average Oklahoma college, okay? It's not just what, it's not a red school, okay? It's a very well-diverse mix, um, you know, and they got their international scholars and all that. And I am telling you the protest fired up by that day, by that day. And we had to assemble. I was in ROTC at the time. Um, and we had to assemble. And I mean, just me putting on my BDUs and walking over there, people were yelling in my face. You know, there were already anti-war folks out that day and I could not believe it I could not believe it we had a battalion full of ROTC kids ready to go fight you know and half of these ROTC kids not even half 90% of them never done a single day in a military life um, whereas I was a little bit different I, I'm already sworn in these kids are just learning military and, and training to be military officers and, and, and they became great officers but I mean, we were ready to go. So that that day, I mean, I still remember coming from Adams Tower, across the street, walking up to the South Oval, and there they were. It was it was absolutely crazy, you know. Oh, you obviously, you get up that morning and you're like, are we going to go to class? I guess we're going to go to class. But by the time you, we get to the bottom of the elevator, you know, the campus has shut it down, rightfully so, uh, as I think every school in America did that day. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's when I realized, uh, like, okay, I, I know what I signed up for. I really did. Um, but at the same time, I was like, my, my unit? is a supply unit, okay? Fuel, water, and supply. And everybody's seen the movie with Pauly Shore in it when he's the, the, the water guy, right? So, I mean, this, this, this should be pretty safe. Uh, well, it turns out I learned as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, we were the 10 11th Quartermaster Company, C slash S. I didn't know what C slash S stood for. It stands for combat supply. So here I am, rolling tankers, rolling trucks, rolling fuel units, all the way through Baghdad and yeah. going north to Balad. Basically uh, driving a bomb. Oh, yeah, you're driving. You, 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 you got that. Um, and then, honestly, the military was stretched. And uh, so we get there and, uh, you know, I know how to fuel stuff. Right, I'm on the fuel. I'm on the fuel platoons. Uh, there's a water platoon. They're they're purifying water. They're they're turning 
for folks to have some sort of shower. Um, and uh, but yeah, next thing you know, they're going, "Hey, we need a we need a QRF. We need a quick reaction force." Okay, uh, you guys are going to do that. Oh, okay. So I've I've really you know I've I've combat training. I'm basic. They call it basic combat training for a reason. It's pretty basic. It's pretty yeah. damn basic. I don't have urban combat training. I don't even have uh, I don't even have uh, eleven Bravo. You know infantry training. But I know how to shoot my weapon. And we know how to, we know how to make everything happen. Then the next thing you know, like we need you guys to do convoy security for all the supplies that were coming from Biop, which is Baghdad International Airport at the time, to here, then we have to take them and disperse them. So we'd have to escort our own convoys, um, which was where the real danger was. But I'll tell you, we got up there in like April, and uh, by that time, the third idea had kind of rolled through and, and just steamrolled everything, right? And there were some hot spots like in Fallujah, but nothing where we were. I remember rolling down the road. I don't have my I don't have my helmet on. I don't even have my flak vest on or plates. It's hanging on the door. My weapon is sitting here to my side. The uh, the magazine's in it, but it's not loaded. Loaded, okay? There's nothing in the chamber, and we're driving down the road just like we had been for the last month. And all of a sudden, someone starts shooting, and they start shooting a lot. And I remember looking over at my drive. I was driving. I remember looking over at my co-driver going, holy someone's shooting at us. And this then, is actually real this now. Is this is actually really real. Yeah. And then at that point in time, it was game on. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were running. We were putting our, I can put this jacket on, you know. We got to, next thing you know, our rifles are pointing out the windows of everything. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, at that point in time was was a different game you know yeah. it was a different game at one point in time I got mortared for like 80 straight nights jeez um I remember the first night getting mortared scared to death yeah scared to death uh then you realize these guys aren't really good at aiming them which is scary in itself is okay you know what I mean um but so they would run around the base and like try to shoot mortars out of the back of moving trucks uh but you would hear them and then you kind of got to the point where it's like how does that one sound? That's that's way far away from me. I'm I'll go back to sleep. You know, so uh, when you become dull to those things, it's the yeah, it's the. Uh, I, I think I I tell that people the best on you know what's post traumatic stress. How does that, you know, what gets you there? And it's like well, when you become pretty dull to very serious danger, yes. you know. Um, and we could tell it too, like we're we're at month twelve of you know we're just waiting to go home any day, and we got new troops, new soldiers coming in, and at that time they had sirens when when the uh, mortars would go off, always late, but they had them. We had bunkers in between our tents. We were still there so early. We stayed in tents the whole time. The cabins and the little trailers came in where all the new soldiers got to stay. Um, I'm still not upset about that. Um, air conditioning, all that good stuff. Um, anyway, there's the sirens going off, the mortars. They're not close to us. We can hear it. It's like 8 a.m. And in between our tents were these big concrete bunkers that you could go get in if you liked. Well, we just used them to brush our teeth and spit our toothpaste into. 
we, I, we never got in a day in our life. I wake up and sirens are going off and uh, one of the guys is sitting at the opening of the tent smoking a cigarette and he's just staring and I'm like, hey Levi, what are you staring at, man? He goes, look. So I come out and look and our whole little concrete bunker is filled with, with folks. All these new soldiers, all these new troops, they're scared to death. And I was like, God, remember when we used to be that scared? I mean, look at those guys. I mean, we're making fun of these guys for having a completely normal human reaction, right? To where 13 months later, you just, you just, you know, you just go, hey, if a mortar's got my name on it, then it's got my name on it. We'll go on about our business. Yeah. You do. So that's, that's yeah, that's, that's what I kind of tell people. That's when, you know, you got a little post-traumatic stress issue, you know. Yeah. You, you, you do things, you get become pretty numb to things. Yeah, but like, but like you said, like the you know when you're in your when you're going through your hood when you're going through your thirties, eating a bit of humble pie, right? And you're kind of thinking about you know back when you were in the military and that was great leadership experience. Like you know, okay, you had a period where you had to figure your life out, and thankfully you pulled yourself through that, and you had great people around you, like you said, your wife, Dean Carney, Doctor Ranger, you know, all those people. But the lessons you learned have clearly made you what you are today. 100%. Right? Yeah, no, 100%. It, it sometimes just takes you a little bit to realize that's a lesson too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you hear people say, hey, God's got a plan for you, right? You just, you just sure he does. Yeah. It just takes a while to figure it out sometimes. Um, or the right people around you. And uh, to realize to where um, I tell... I do a lot of, I used to coach a lot of softball yeah. um, with my daughter. Uh, she's 14, and uh, the kid has a competitive spirit like a, like a D1 football athlete. That's, that's her competitive mindset. Yeah. It's unreal. But uh, I would tell the girls all the time, like, you know, what, what makes someone wise, right? You've heard, the, you've heard the term, what makes someone wise, right? That's just almost anyone that's lived a life that can reflect back on it and go, God, what could I have done better? And how can I apply that going forward? That makes, that makes me a wise person. That's, that's what that is. And I've, I'm fortunate enough to be able to use my life experience, you know, the I think the wiser people have a crazy life experience, you know, a different life experience. Um, and uh, if we can take those and apply it to what we know, then you got a you got a you got a launching platform at some point, you know. So hopefully, hopefully you're not 50 when you figure it out, but even then, you can still go get it. Yeah. So tell tell me about kind of obviously, you know, there's it, it it's no it's. It's not a no. I'm not surprised that you, looking back, that you, you know, you, you and your wife decided to foster kids. You, you know, just knowing you and how I met you is through playing. Okay, it was playing golf, but at the end, you were there to raise money for Absolutely. CHF and uh, K Club and you know, and other stuff as well. Tell me about that. Tell me about the, all that side of things, and and you know, it's your chance to brag on CHF and uh, and all the things you you know why you want to spend your time and your and your energy giving back to that because uh, I know it's a great organization and what Jeremiah and the team there are doing great things, but people listening might not. So as a now board member, yeah, um, brag. So yeah, I remember when we first opened, uh, one of the young ladies that worked here. One of her best friends was one of the Miracle Kids. 
and um, Madison came by and uh, said, hey, Thurman, I'd like to talk to you about CHF. Um, she introduced me to Jeremiah. And, of course, at that time, I'm like, hey, I'd love CHF, but uh, I just had $8,000 in my bank account. But we still found ways to uh, donate money um, to CHF to, to at least start instilling something there, right? One, I'm doing it because Madison beat cancer, you know, as a, as a like, 12, 13-year-old kid. Um, and that's... Jeez, that's just not a, it's one of those things where I think, I think all my life experience, Mike, and go, what do you do when your 12-year-old kid has cancer? Who do you turn to? Where do you go? Um, And kids don't, we all don't have a choice. But when a kid is diagnosed with something like that, you instantly think about what type of life they got to live and how are they living and, and all of those things. And it, man, it just pulls up my heart um, so bad, so bad. And, uh, and obviously, I think that has come through fostering kids, right? What are other ways we can, we can help and, and really make an impact? So, yeah, we started off slow um, and, and just foster a relationship with Jeremiah and the team and, and, and guys at the K Club. Um, at any organization that is trying to pull it together. And uh, I'm thankful, too. I've I've had some good folks at church um, that are all about community, that are all about supporting outreach, um, that are all about making sure those folks out in the community that need that support can get it and find them ways to get it. And... um, I've always been a huge fan of if I see something that I think I can fix or help, I'm going to do it. Um, I'll never forget this. My wife and I, this, this was this weekend, the weekend I proposed to her. Orlando to Tampa is not a far drive, and we're staying at a hotel, and uh, we're walking somewhere to eat dinner and on the way to dinner there's a guy um, sleeping on a park bench and I just took a middle note and of course my wife okay she's 21 years old she doesn't want to be anywhere around that that's that's not because she's a bad person that's women instinct well, right most, most people right yeah, absolutely yeah, and, and, and for her yeah. women instinct like hey I, yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to get taken tonight um, but uh, here I go we go to this dinner, um, and I start boxing things up. And she said, what are you doing? We're staying at a hotel room. I said, if that guy is still sitting there, I'm getting ready to feed him. Yeah. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. So I box it up and walk down there, and sure enough, he's there. I feed him, and I wake him up, and I say, hey, I got you something to eat. You don't have to eat it now. It'll be, it'll be good later. That guy couldn't thank me enough, you know. And my wife seen me do stuff like that. It's not even funny how many times she's seen me do stuff like that. She takes them crazy sometimes. Um, and uh, so I, I think a lot of it stems stems from that. And, and obviously, I think everybody gets a little bit of joy when you can give something, anything to someone 
and see their their heart light up, not just their face, but you know it's it's impacted them. And uh, CHF, I just think they they have a great mission. Um, you know, it's it's, it's really simple, um, and and that's the other good part about it, right? There are kids in the state of Oklahoma that are getting diagnosed with cancer all the time. Um, why uproot those kids and take them to um, Texas, Tennessee, wherever these other big hospitals are, when we can get the same care and the same things right here in the state? So they do a really good job of heading that up with these hospitals of getting the right doctors in place. Um to take care of our, our of our kids here in Oklahoma, and then not only that, they fund the research, right? Let's not just let's not just get our kids through cancer. Let's find a way to just kill it, right? Let's find a way to end childhood leukemia. Um, let's honestly put some thought and some dollars into that. You know, we have one, and, and so they're they're on the point in the sphere of that. You know. Um, of doing that and I don't know anyone who can sit here and say no to these types of things I don't care it doesn't have to be monetary um, it could be volunteering what ways can we help uh, who do you know you know to, to do these things and uh, Jeremiah is just man if I could just brag on that guy you know um, my my referral group here and more we raised some money um, we do philanthropy every year um, we were able to donate uh, to Lizzie Bodark and her uh, sharing tree here and more, who's just all about giving toys to kids and, and families, things they need during Christmas. And uh, Jeremiah, we give we give some to CHF. And uh, Lizzie Bodark, you know you're making an impact in the community when you got someone like her up telling her, like, hey, what this money means and what that's going to go to. And I can look it over at Jeremiah and it's hitting him right here in the heart, you know what I mean? But he can relate to that as well. Um, you might not always want to be someone, you know, until you walk a mile in their shoes or, or know or know whereabout they've come from and what they do. And uh, there's no doubt on my mind why I realize why he's where he's at, making an impact on people, and why he's not gonna he's not gonna walk by an angel tree without grabbing a name off of it. You know, he's just not going to do it. That's 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 not the way it came from. And it's um, there's got the right people running. Um, now that CHF is also branched off, you know, we can start helping kids in Tulsa that don't even have to come to Oklahoma City now. Those kids are able to kind of stay where they're at. Um, and, and I think even this year with the Drew Neville thing, the impact that uh, are they really the influence that CHF is getting. I'm talking, we're bringing in pros. Big time pros. That is, that, that's giving me chills right now. Yeah. Those guys are going to come in here and volunteer their time, which is all we want from them, right? Because man, if, if we can have an influence, we can make a bigger impact. It's really, to me, it's really that simple. Yeah. Um, we can grow our mission and to get it done. But, um, you know, this year we're out to really, I am out to raise awareness. Um, and there's, you know, there's so many things, right? We can put our 
our money into. But it's funny when things happen and that you see it. Take the Demore Hamlin thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that guy's a champ. That guy's a rock star, isn't he not? Uh, I looked at my wife the other day and I said, he's playing football again. I don't think anybody's going to tell him no. I don't think anybody's going to tell him no. But the world watched that unfold, mm-hmm. which just hit him right here, right? Next thing you know, he's got like, I don't know, is it up to $8 million yet? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It was up over seven, right? Yeah. Um, and there's no doubt he's going to do amazing things yeah. with that bucket of money. But that's the type of support and impact that I think CHF is, is, is gaining some ground on because once you grab that and it hits people, I mean, this was right after Christmas, mm-hmm. right? The worst time to ask people for money, right? Yeah. Christmas holidays. And so, but people are out here giving faithfully um, and knowing that it's, it's for the right cause and it's the right thing. And, uh, you know, I watched Luke Barone speak at his golf tournament. And I can already tell you, I regret in my life not ever getting to meet Keaton. Mm-hmm. That's a wise young soul right there, right? And just hearing that story just immediately impacted me. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, God, this is this is really what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I love doing this, right? Running this agency. Well, you know, the good thing about having people and paying them well, making sure they have plenty of time off, they love what they're doing. I can walk out of this thing and it still runs. Yeah. It's amazing, right? So I can spend some more of my time where I think I can help make a difference uh, doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and geez, uh, Right now, there's not a better place that I feel like that I need to be than other than sitting on the sidelines watching some uh, OU football, mainly OU softball, okay? Um, But even then, guess what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get those tickets so I can get these kids out to the games. I can go. You know, we're, we're finding ways to let them experience a little bit of life that normal kids get. That they don't, they don't get, you know, um, and you know that even hit me real hard when someone's like, "Well, you know, a kid with leukemia, when they get the flu, they go to the hospital." And my my kid gets the flu, he stays home from school. Yeah. Right, and it still doesn't stop him from trying to play his video games. These kids are up in rooms by themselves. You know, one visitor, two visitors. Um, the staffs. You know they. It's not like a regular hospital where they're all out in the middle and they're all talking and it's, it's, it's limited, it's special and, and everything is like a surgical room. It is neat and clean. And um, my wife even, as a, she's a nurse practitioner, as a provider, I don't know how she goes to work, does with all that she deals with and then somehow shakes it all off, leaves it right there at the hospital and goes right on back, which is why we foster kids, <laughs> yeah. right? Which is why we try to help in any way we can because she sees it front line. She sees it firsthand. Yeah. And uh, every year this is probably going to happen less, but we all grew up a little less fortunate, you know? And I, 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 had, I had to go break out a picture of me and my brother with dirt all over us sharing a bag of chips that I don't even know the brand name of from on a back porch 
that you'd be lucky to walk across it without falling through it. You know, there were that many holes in it. Um, so we always want better for our kids, yeah. right? And every year, better, 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 better. Um, the kids that have it, some at least some of the kids, at least my kids, if they say they have it bad, they're dead wrong, right? They're out of their mind. Yeah. Got to remind them. But there are still kids out there that, that, that have it bad. And just like anything, you know, leukemia, cancer, doesn't discriminate, doesn't care who you are. Doesn't care who you are, um, what you're doing in life, where you're at in life. Um, it just hits. I have a friend, um, 23 years in the Air Force. He gets out in 180 days, diagnosed with leukemia. You know, it's battles on. Here's this guy's just giving his life, right? Um, it doesn't care who you are. doesn't care what the timing is. Right? He's thinking, hey, am I going to go work for Boeing? Am I going to go work for Northrop Grumman? Where, what, what cool place am I going to go work for? No, we got to fight this battle first. And it's a good family friend. And so it's just like, uh, it's not a better place for me to, to put my stamp of approval on or to put whatever money I can raise for it yeah. and, or to put any smile on a kid's face. Um, I tell you what, we what we do at a golf tournament, it was I think it was the Keaton golf tournament. And they had the girls out there, right? This little young lady was making lemonade. Uh, with the biggest smile on her face. And of course she's like she's probably six, spilling it, picking up the ice cubes with her yeah. hands. Those cookies too. Yeah, the yeah. cookies, all, all the things, but you know what? That was one thing it was it just made you laugh. Mm -hmm. I didn't care where that little girl's hands probably been or anything. You drink, the, you drink the lemonade, you eat the food, and you get a hug. You know, you get a picture. You make them feel absolutely special. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that just, man, it, it hits me right in the heart. And um, my office staff even knows, like, hey, I'm, I'm out with Children's Hospital Foundation today. Mm -hmm. If you need something, get a hold of me. Um, but they know my passion for it. And... Uh, Real quickly to to end that I, I did the we went to the with Jeremiah to the uh, K Club the gala that they had. My wife's a nurse, okay, so she works two jobs. Um, she works neuro ICU at Baptist, and she does stroke coordinating at OU. I'm giving money away like it's like 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 it grows on a tree out here, right? Um, she knows that, but she doesn't know it. Know it, right? And she really does that. I can tell her yeah. no different than I can tell you. It's different. I tell you because you, you see it, right? Yeah. But I can tell her it's for this. Yeah. Um, but until I got to take her out to that gala, mm -hmm. and I said, "Babe, you're just gonna have to get ready and don't spend too much money." Yeah. Please don't spend too much money tonight. Um, which she, which it's me saying, get whatever the hell you want, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think it's for a good cause, do it. we're not hurting. Do it. Uh, because it's a great cause, you know, and sure enough, you know, I have a table. There's not a dry eye at the table. Yeah. Um, that's the way that that stuff hits you. And, uh, I think some of that rewinds back. There's a place in Oklahoma city. It's still here. It's called the Whitefields. Mm -hmm. It's a boys club, boys home. Um, and that is ran by, uh, shoot. He owns Sandridge Energy, Tom. Ward okay. and his son. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, we used to do that forever. So my wife surprised me one year. We, we go to this big gala for their auctioneer comes out. But they had that year, they had the OU, the, uh, an aerial from the flyover, the 9-11. OU played a game like that next week, right? Like days after 9-11. They still had their game, but we had to stretch a flag all the way across the field. I was down on the field stretching that flag with Arnold TC. And I saw it hanging up there, and I told my wife, and I said, hey, I'm somewhere in that picture. You know, that's uh, I'm somewhere in that picture, and I had some OU football player autographs on it, whatever. And then um, didn't think anything of it. At the end of the night, we're walking out. She reaches over, and she goes, look what I got you. You know, uh, I should be hanging up here in my office, but it's at home. But uh, one of those things, and plus, she, I said, how much did you pay for this? <laughs> Uh, she said, it's for the kids, Thurman. It doesn't matter how much I paid for it. Don't worry about it. You're right. Let's go on about our business. So I think I've been blessed with one, marrying the right person that just absolutely loves to make sure she yeah. gives back um, through fostering and, and whatever calls her. Um, we've been lucky to go, hey, our adventures, we support each other 100% as long as... Yeah. As long as it's legal, I guess we're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from all of this, I think we figured out the wife's like an absolute superhero. Oh right? gosh, man! <laughs> Anybody, you're right there. Anybody that's ever met her is like, you know, the saying "you outkicked your coverage." There sure. for sure, done that. Um, but shot. For sure, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah, yeah. For sure, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And my kids, without her, wouldn't be what they are. You know, she's very much the voice of reason in the house, um, and, and as she should be. Yeah. You know, um, she should. She deserves way more appreciation than I'll ever, ever deserve in my yeah. life. I think you've done it a, a, at least a little bit of justice by telling her telling her story today, or telling you know your story with with hers intertwined, saying that she's done so much because obviously she has, and I'm sure there's many stories that she you know she uh, she could probably tell herself. Maybe we need to have your wife on the podcast. Oh uh, gosh, we should, yeah, we should do that and have it have to have have back to back stories. But mate, it's. Um, I'm glad I got to sit down with you. And like I said at the start, it's always fun interviewing friends because now I know so much more about you. And I know, you know, I never doubted that anyway of all the stuff, but I never knew any of the stuff that you came up with, you know, the the PTSD. And I mean, I could have I could have probably figured out that you hate sand. Like, that's <laughs> right. fine. You know, I hate sand too, but not because of the reason that you hate sand. Right. Being in, you know, being in a war zone basically for, for 18 months. But, um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for everything you do. Um, you know, there's so many lessons that people are going to learn by listening to this. There's so much resilience, you know, um, just figuring it out, your decision to, Hey, I want to graduate. I want to get back, get my life back and not take these pills. Right. That's a huge decision to have to make. And you look back on it and all the other stuff that's come from that. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to to see how this goes and and continue playing some golf together, continue doing CHF events and uh, absolutely seeing the business grow too. No, um, you know, I think, uh, I think I say this probably every year as a business. I think 2023 is going to be challenging. (laughs) Okay. It's going to be challenging, but we got a team. We're up for the challenge. And uh, I think uh, it's going to be a good year. And that's going to be for whatever reason, I think, 
God leads us down that path, for, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll take it and go. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's for sure. Yeah. For people listening, I'll post the link to Thurman's uh, business web, all state website in the description. And I'll also post the link to CHF as well. So you can go see those two things we've been speaking mostly about. And yeah. Um, anything else you want, you want to say? Before uh, we if out? anybody's for, for the folks that are listening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody. We tally up donations for CHF right now. I'll match the first $1,500. Okay. Okay. So if we can just set a goal. Yeah. That'd be great to get $1,500 in donations. That'll be $3,000 to go towards. Uh, and then, you know, we might even be able to talk to Jeremiah mm-hmm. if we can if, if, if we can donate that towards uh, research. Yeah. Then I think the 3000 could turn into 6000 they match so yes yes i don't know if it's still going on for 2023 but we can find out real easily but if not um i'm willing to match first fifteen hundred dollars and let's see where where it goes i'll give you fifteen hundred dollars how let's figure there's three thousand how do we how else do we figure that how let's 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 uh set a goal ten thousand dollars let's do it nice round number if the people listening can raise ten thousand dollars we're already at three thousand plus yep so we all we need we really seven thousand dollars yeah which can turn into 20. Yeah, there it is. All right, let's figure out a link. We'll talk to Jeremiah and get a link for that and set something up and we can get some- That'll be so awesome. raise some money for That'll that. That'll be great. Money. So, awesome. Well, people listening, uh, yeah, our link's in the description and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.